we are uh, continuing our series today on the Holy Spirit, and we're looking especially at uh, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. In fact, how many of you have uh, uh, done your homework this last week? How many did your homework this last week? I see like two hands. You're my favorite. You're my favorite. So some of you are looking like, what homework? What? So here's the homework. You're supposed to be reading John, the Gospel of John, especially chapters 14, 15, and 16. Read it, reread it, read it again, pray over it, reflect on it, and say, Lord, make this real and make this experiential in, in my own heart and life. So that's your homework again, okay? To read John 14, 15, and 16 several times this week and read it reflectively and prayerfully asking God to to make it real uh, in your own life. So last week we learned who is the Holy Spirit. We learned that the Holy Spirit is another advocate, another advocate. Jesus says, I'm leaving. I have done my ministry and I'm going to be going back to the Father, ascending to heaven. But don't worry, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm sending you another advocate, the Holy Spirit. And we learned that that term advocate means one who comes alongside and, and one who actually comes in us and helps us and guides us and is our counselor, our advocate. He advocates for us. And so the main question we had last Sunday was, have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you have a sense of intimacy with God in your own life. See, it's one thing to be a Christian. In fact, we'll talk more next Sunday about this as we talk about the fullness of the Spirit. So I don't want to get into it too much, but it is possible for you to be a Christian, to be a believer, to actually be saved and right with God, but not be filled with the Spirit and not have a sense of intimacy with God. Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for decades and decades, but and you used to feel close to God, but you haven't felt that in a long time. You've lost your intimacy. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. But you can have intimacy with God. Or maybe you're here today and you thought, well, I believe in God, I guess. And I, I suppose I believe in Jesus. And, 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 but, but God is like out there. Or he's you know, back there, way back in history, Jesus. Or, or he's in the Bible. He's just words on a page. But you can have God in here. You can know God because Jesus has sent you and me the Holy Spirit. And you can have intimacy with God. Last week we talked briefly about the Trinity. And uh, this week Tom Craig sent me a diagram he found off the Internet. And uh, I think it's a, it's a helpful representation. So we can put it up here on, on the screen. If you just look at this diagram, kind of diagramming a representation of, of, of the Trinity, of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So notice, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And we don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God. There's only one God. We're monotheists, not tritheists. We're monotheists, but we believe in the Trinity, triunity, three in one. So the Father's God, the Son's God, the Holy Spirit's God. And yet, there's also difference. They're the same, yet different. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. They're different and and yet the same. And we tried to unpack that mystery a little bit last Sunday. And and obviously we have to admit that that we do not, uh, we cannot comprehend the being, the ontology, if you will, of of the Godhead. Because he is just so far beyond us. It would be like an ant 
trying to understand a human being. And when you think about it, we human beings don't understand ourselves. In our life group the, the other week, we talked about what's the difference between your brain and your mind. Can anybody explain the mind and your sense of consciousness and your emotions? I mean, we can't even explain and understand ourselves, let alone the being of God. So it's not contradictory, it's not illogical, but it is mysterious. And, and, and to our little minds, it is unexplainable. It goes way beyond our ability to just lay it out and explain it all. So it's mysterious. And yet we can understand the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. We can understand it enough to speak biblically about it and also to experience the Trinity in our own lives and have a sense of intimacy with God where God the Father out there sent Jesus the Son to, to minister and to die on the cross and rise again. And they sent the Holy Spirit into us. And now we can, we can experience God in us. Do you have intimacy with God? Today we're looking at, at the function of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you go throughout the New Testament, you can list all kinds of of works of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in, in our lives. And it's incredible. Here's just a little bit of a list. Just listen to this. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit purifies us, empowers us, gives us, guarantees to us, gives us assurance of salvation. It brings comfort and counsel and He guides us. He helps us witness. In fact, the Holy Spirit Himself is a witness. And then the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. So these are just a few things that the Holy Spirit does. So when we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, it goes on and on. In fact, you could almost say everything that God does in our lives, He does through the Holy Spirit. But do you know what the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is? The primary goal of the Holy Spirit is to make you like Jesus. That's it. That's the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit's ultimate purpose is to make you Christ-like, to make you godly. Everything the Holy Spirit does in your life is about shaping you and molding you and guiding you and healing you so that you become more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Apostle John in his letter, 1 John 3.2, says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Does that excite you? That one day you and I are going to see Jesus as He is, and we will be like Him. That's your hope. That's your future. So whatever darkness and challenges you are experiencing today, your ultimate hope is one day you are going to see Jesus as He is and you will be like Him. Wow. And then we have this promise that even now, as children of God, we can contemplate the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. So as you and I 
as you and I, throughout our lives, we contemplate the Lord and who He is and how good He is and how great He is, we can be changed little by little, moment by moment, day by day, with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the purpose. This is the goal of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, our, our lead team spent the day off-site, and we, we had a little retreat where we met together and we prayed a lot, and we discussed vision and direction for our church, and we came up with a theme for the year. You know what the theme is for this year? Here it is. Here it is. To live, love, and look like Jesus. To live, love, and look like Jesus. That's our theme for the year. So we're going to spend this whole year talking about how can we live, love, and look like Jesus. So we're going to focus especially on the Gospels. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus and learn who is He really? Who is He? What did He say? What did He do? What did He teach? And how can we become more like Him? This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine. So with that in mind, turn, turn with me, if you haven't already, to John chapter 14. And we're going to pick it up in verse 23. The Gospel of John, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, verse uh, chapter 14, beginning in verse 23. And actually, the verse in front of it, verse 22, Judas, one of the apostles, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why don't you intend to show yourself to us and, and not to the world? Jesus has been telling them how he's going to be leaving them, but, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come back through the Holy Spirit to them. And, and he's like, Jesus, why don't you just show yourself to everybody in the whole world? Have you ever wondered that? You know, come on, God, why don't you just show yourself to everybody in the whole world? Well, here's why. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Five ways the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. Let's run through them briefly this morning. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps you love like Jesus. Look at verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus was always talking about love. One day someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? Now, do you know a little bit of Jewish background? The Jewish people, especially of that time, they had come up with a tradition that there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Now, let's see if they were right. How about your homework for this week is to read the entire Old Testament and add up all of the commands, see if you come up with 613. Okay? That's what they did. Can you believe it? And they, they said there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And they liked to debate how did they all interrelate together and which of the 613 commandments was the greatest. So somebody comes along to, to Jesus and says, Jesus, basically implying of the 613, 
commandments in the Old Testament, which one is the greatest? And Jesus says right, right off the bat, he says, here's the greatest commandment of all, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Now stop right there. The guy didn't ask for two. He just asked for one. He said, which, the, which is the greatest commandment? But Jesus gives him the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. And then he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, why did Jesus give two? The man just asked for one, which is the greatest, but Jesus gave two. As I grapple with that and reflect on that, here, here's my little bit of speculation, my, my opinion on why Jesus gave two rather than just one. Why, didn't God, why did Jesus just say, love God? That's it. Greatest commandment. But, you know, he went on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. Why did he do that? He, here's my take on it. Because Jesus knew it is so easy for you and me to deceive ourselves into thinking that we're godly, we're spiritual, and we're spirit-filled, and we're holy, and, oh, I love God. Of course I love God. Oh, yeah, me and God. And now I, I might even just stay home all the time. I don't go to church, and I don't mingle with God's people. And, in fact, I can be rather mean and insensitive, and lack compassion, not really care about people. And actually, and actually, I can kind of criticize people about how dumb they are and all the dumb things they do and how like they just kind of annoy me. But God, oh, I love God. Oh, yeah, me and God, we're, we're, you know, I can read my Bible and I can pray, me and Jesus, oh, yeah. And I can have these wonderful feelings, warm, fuzzy feelings, me and God. Jesus knew our tendency to be like that. And so I think Jesus gave us two very intentionally. Hey, Jesus is saying, you got to realize that when you really love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And don't you fool yourself. If you don't love people, if you don't care for them, if you don't love them, don't fool yourself into thinking that you really love God. Because the more you know God, the more you love God, the more you're going to love people. Because God loves people. And how can you say you have the love of God in your heart if you don't love what God loves. I think this is why Jesus gave two when the guy only asked for one. Jesus is basically saying when you have the vertical going on, you also have the horizontal going on. And if there's no horizontal love going on in your relationships, if, you're, if your faith in God, your love for God, isn't changing and improving your relationships, you need to check again about where is your love for God, really. I think this is why Jesus, Jesus said that. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, one, one of the, the, the first fruit is, is love. Not just love for God, but love for your neighbor. And by the way, your neighbor includes your wife, Include your husband, include your children, include your extended family, and even your literal neighbor, but all the people around you. And so the only way you can love with a pure and holy love is to be filled with the, the Spirit, 
If we're going to love the way Jesus loved, we need the Holy Spirit. So secondly, notice that the Holy Spirit helps you obey like Jesus. So number one, the Holy Spirit helps you love like Jesus, but the Holy Spirit helps you to obey like Jesus. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Chuck Colson, in his book, Loving God, hits this head on. You know, years ago, Chuck Colson, when he became a Christian, and he started grappling with what does it even mean to be a Christian, and he came across, you know, the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he wondered, okay, but how do I do that? How do I love God, really? With all my heart, soul, mind, change. What does that mean to love God? So he asked several of his Christian friends. And one of them said, well, by loving him. And another one said, well, by maintaining a worshipful heart. And they kind of stammered around and gave answers like that. And when he pressed them for details, they would say things like, well, I guess to really love God means that you, you, know, that you read the Bible and you pray and you, and you go to church. And, and he struggled with it. He said, well, those are nice answers, but, but rather incomplete. And so he kept searching. And then he came across these very words of Jesus. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And Chuck Colson thought, that's it. That's how I love God. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I obey his teaching. Which means, of course, I have to know his teaching. So I, have, I need to read the, the scripture. I need to know who Jesus is. I need to know what he taught. But even beyond that, I need to change my life accordingly. If I am not adjusting and changing, ask yourself, are you, are you adjusting your life? I mean, like daily. Is confession a part of your daily prayer? Is evaluation a part of your daily life where you are open to Jesus' teaching and you want to obey Him better and better and more and more and you're open to the Holy Spirit's conviction and guidance and leading? This is what it means to to be filled with the Spirit where you are open. And, And this is how you show your love for God by obeying Him. If you are not obeying Him, don't fool yourself. Oh yeah, I love God. Yeah, me and God, we're real close. I have intimacy with God. And then you walk right out and you know you're disobeying Him. Chuck Colson tells a story of a young woman whose nerves were shot from too many all-night parties. She was you know, in an endless round of pot and booze and sex and she was going to a therapist to you know, she, her life was just all messed up, and, and she kept trying to get help. And finally the therapist said, why don't you just stop? And she replied, you mean I really don't have to do what I want to do? See, we live in a society that's like that, don't we? That, that you just have to follow your feelings. You have to follow your desires. You know, and some of you are like that. You are doing whatever you want to do. And maybe you even say, I love God. Of course I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, yeah, me and God. And then, and then you turn right around, and if you, if you got honest with yourself, your desires are God. God isn't God. Your desires are God. You are God. And when you say you love God, well, that's just so fuzzy and vague, and it has no real change or impact in your life. What have you changed lately in your life? Because you have been touched by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says you need to change that. 
you're not obeying me very well in this area. If you can't even think of any, or if it's been years, then you, you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you, you, you need to humble yourself and get down on your knees before God and say, Lord, there's some things that need to change, and I know they need to change. Because if I say I love you, your, your love is going to transform my heart, and I, I, I want to obey you. This is a huge problem in the church today. I tell you what, we need a, a, a moral vision where we see and we know and we feel that there is a good and beautiful God and He is holy and He is righteous and He is awesome and He is a God who is not to be trifled with. And, and you fall on your knees and you cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. And so rather than like, you know, arguing or making up excuses and, or whining or complaining, you just say, yes, Lord, yes, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. I, I will obey you. The Holy Spirit helps you love like Jesus. He helps you obey the way Jesus obeyed. Jesus, he obeyed the Father throughout his earthly life. Remember, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. We need to obey the Father the way Jesus did. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit teaches you more of Jesus. He actually teaches you more of Jesus. He goes on to say in John 14, verse 25, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit is not interested in drawing attention to you? The Holy Spirit is not interested in drawing attention to himself. The Holy Spirit, the passion, the passion of the Holy Spirit is to draw attention to Jesus. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, to make us more like Jesus and to bring glory to Jesus. He says in John 16, if you've been reading, you know this, John 16, 14, Jesus says, I'm, you know, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the advocate and, and I'm going to send you the Spirit. He will testify about me. He will glorify me. So if you are a true Spirit-filled person, other people around you will not be saying, wow, look at your talents. Look at your gifts. You're so amazing. Wow. No, no. They, they'll, when they look at you, if you're really spirit-filled, they'll, they'll be saying, wow, isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't Jesus? Look what Jesus can do in a life. And notice, it's the Holy Spirit. We, we tend to kind of think of that as a name, Holy Spirit. Kind of like Jesus Christ. You know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. You know, he is Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. And, and so Holy Spirit is he's holy. It's a description. He's holy. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make you holy, pure in thought, in word, in deed. He wants to make you holy and obedient like Jesus. And throughout your life, He'll be teaching you more and more. And so you, you, you deal with some sins in your life, and you go to a new level in your walk with, with Christ, 
And then the Holy Spirit shines His light on some other thing in your life. And you go, oh, I didn't even see that. Didn't even know that. Yes, Lord, I obey. Teach me more. Some of you are already way educated beyond the level of your obedience. You already know more of Jesus than you're obeying. So why would, and you're saying, oh, teach me, show me more, bless me. And Jesus is saying, why would I show you more? Why would I teach you? Why would I bless you when you're not even obeying what I've already told you? Number four, the Holy Spirit gives you the peace of Jesus. The peace of Jesus. He says in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Notice the Holy Spirit imparts to you the peace of Jesus. And notice how Jesus puts it here. He says, my peace I give you. He goes on in chapter 15 to talk about my love, my joy. And here he talks about my peace. And the world can't give you this kind of peace. Only I can give you this peace. Don't you understand that the world cannot give you peace? For, for a variety of reasons. First of all, there's just so much. We live in a broken world. And there's, there's pain and there's suffering and there's hatred and there's greed and there's selfishness. And there's all kinds of brokenness and sin. And the world cannot give you that kind of peace. And even if you do somehow manage in your little world to get all the circumstances just right, where everything is just the way you want it, it is so fragile that you'll be fearful that you might lose all of these circumstances that is bringing you some measure of peace, and you'll live in fear and anxiety that, oh, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? See, this world cannot give you actual peace. And Jesus told us this. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but I can give you peace. I can give you intimacy with God that will keep your hearts less anxious and will keep you peaceful even in the midst of the storm. He said, but Greg, how? Notice he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Just don't let it. Don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. You say, but how? Well, don't let your heart be troubled. But how, Jesus, how? Well, remember the Apostle Paul over in Philippians 4? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how. When you start to get anxious, you pray. When you start to get anxious, you worship. When you start to get anxious, you look to Jesus, and you reflect on Him, and you contemplate His glory, and He can give you His Holy Spirit, a fresh and filling of, of the Holy Spirit, and He can give you this peace that transcends all understanding. You want peace? You need to pray. You want less anxiety? You need to pray and worship. Focus on Scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, and you will find miraculously peace that passes all understanding. And number five, the Holy Spirit gives you the courage of Jesus. He says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He goes on to say in chapter 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Last Sunday, 
I, I shared with you that that phrase, take heart, can also be translated, take courage. Be courageous. See, what, what Jesus promises us, we tend to pray for, for Jesus to make our lives easy. Clear the path. Take away all of our problems. You know, I have my agenda. I have my life. God, your role is to serve me and just clear the path and make everything easy. And God says, no, that's not how it works. Because in this world, you will have trouble. And yes, we can pray for God to take away our problems and, and do things for us. That's fine to a point. But we have to understand that in this world, we will have trouble. And God's ultimate purpose in our life is not to remove everything, all the troubles from our life. His ultimate purpose is to make us like Jesus. That's his goal. That's his real purpose in our lives. And so we, we need to call on the Holy Spirit. And, and he gives us the courage. God says, I'm not going to take away all the problems, but I promise to be with you. And you can have courage. And I will give you my courage that comes from my Holy Spirit. You remember the story in the Gospels. The apostles were rowing out on the Sea of Galilee. And, and a, a storm was brewing. And the waves started to get high. And it was in the evening. And Jesus sent them ahead. And Jesus stayed on shore, went up on a mountain. And, and he, was, he was praying most of the night. And then like in the middle of the night and early into the next morning, he, he comes walking out to them and he's walking on the water and they're straining at the oars and, 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 and they, they see Jesus walking on the water and they, they, he's hard to identify because it's dark and the waves are high and, and like, I mean, who is, what is this out? It's Jesus. And, and they start to panic. And Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Maybe in your life right now there's a storm brewing. Maybe right now in your life there's a, some panic that's growing and the waves are getting high and you're afraid. Jesus can come to you right here, right now, and he says, take courage. Be courageous. It is I. Don't be afraid. You can call on Jesus. Call on the Holy Spirit. Call on your Heavenly Father. You can have peace. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would come and make your home within us. Lord, help us to live and love and look like Jesus. Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts to you and we ask that you would help us to love like Jesus and obey like Jesus and learn more of Jesus and experience the peace and courage of Jesus. And Lord, there may be some of us here today, we've been Christians for decades, and we've kind of lost that intimacy with you. And we need you. Maybe we haven't been obeying you. Maybe life has just kind of beaten us up and beaten us down, and we've lost that intimacy with you, Lord, and help us to refocus on you. And maybe there are some here this morning who, who maybe they've been good people, even kind of religious people, but for the first time they've realized that, wow, I can know God. I can experience, I can have intimacy with God in my own soul because of how the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins and I can be forgiven and I can have new life and I can be filled with His presence. Lord, as we, as we sing this song of response, 
this moment of reflection, we open our hearts up to you. Speak to us. Come to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.